I know how the internet works. Internet boyfriends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Internet Boyfriends. I am Joey and with me as always is the Waco kid to my Sheriff Bart, Ryan Kloss. Hi. Have you, wait, you haven't seen Blazing Saddles at all? I have seen Blazing Saddles. It's been a while. Okay. I think it's also fair to call me the Sheriff Bart to your Waco kid. I honestly, I don't remember well enough. I'm, I'm pulling it up on IMDb now to see who Gene, played Gene Wilder is Jim. The Waco Kid. Oh, okay. And Clavon Little is Sheriff Bart. Oh, okay. That works. That works. Yeah. I think I'm the more high-strung uh, Bugs Bunny-type character of the two of us. Relatively speaking, <laughs> sure. And you're far more the Gene Wilder of the two of us. I do have a candy factory that entices little kids. You do? Well, and also you enslave a whole subset of humanity to work there. Oopa Loopas aren't humans. Come on. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So I also like the fact that it, since it is a Mel Brooks movie, when you look it up on IMDb, you get things like Man in Commissary playing Hitler as one of the actors. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Yep. Because I, I, I don't know. Is there is there a single Mel Brooks movie that doesn't have a reference to Hitler or an actor playing the role of Hitler in the movie? I'm trying to think of a Hitler reference in Spaceballs. Yeah, I don't know drawn a blank there but that's not what this podcast is about no. so we don't have to worry about that although Spaceballs is awesome Spaceballs and, and there's also people I didn't realize were in it like Stephen Tobolowski and the little person from Bad Santa what yep wow the Damn. little person plays a dink okay uh, I forget his name though and uh, Stephen Tobolowski plays the captain of the guard that captures their stunt doubles I do I do remember Tobolowski in the movie because I saw you tweet that and I was like I distinctly remember Tobolowski in that movie but... never recognized him I think it's because I've had a long-standing obsession with people who are not really recognized as A-list actors, but they're in fucking everything. I looked at the Tobolowski files. He has a podcast where he talks about stories of his life over and over and over again. I kickstarted his movie. No, no, no. I I'm aware, but this is all stuff that's happened recently. I'm talking okay. about since I was a teenager. I've always been interested in the people who are sort of like the – in the same way – That, that guy from that thing. Yeah, that guy from that thing, but also with musicians, musicians as well, of like people like Josh Klinghoffer that are that are sort of in a lot of bands, and they kind of just go around being like like professional musicians that end up in in popular bands or in popular acts at some point, popular movies, things like that. Uh, also, uh, Mark uh, Mothersbaugh, I think it is uh, the from guy Devo. from Devo, yeah. yeah, who now like look up fucking anything when it comes to soundtracks or. Things like that. I, I will always know him from the Rugrats theme song. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is he? He's fucking. He is a professional musician. The same thing yeah. with David Byrne. Like same same thing. Like they're professional. These guys are musicians through and through. Yeah, so I, like I did. It, like I've seen Mark Mothersbaugh on credits a t million times because I saw the Rugrats opening a million times, yeah. and then I saw him everywhere else. He I, I didn't know he was from show. Devo until this year. It's hard to know because of my bad memory, but I have a feeling I know I knew of Devo before I knew of his. Oh, I knew of Devo. I just didn't know he was from Devo. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I meant to say is I knew I knew of him in the context of Devo before, mm -hmm. like the same the same way that I knew of David Byrne in in the Talking context heads. of Talking Heads before I knew about his side stuff and other things that he's done. I, I wonder like if kids now relate that with Trent Reznor. I think so. Because I, I don't really – I can't remember – no, you know what? I don't know. because He's, he's not a, quite the same thing. Yeah, It's like Johnny Greenwood is still the guy from Radiohead. Yeah. I, the, the reason – okay, it's hard to know because uh, trailers and things like that. There's yeah. a lot of fucking movie trailers that use Nine Inch Nails, and that's how I imagine – Yeah, but like, do you think they're like, oh, that's that guy from those movies, Old Band? Like it's, I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it doesn't matter. I think it does matter. I think I think it I think it matters because that's how kids. It depends on how kids interact with the music and how they. What's the thing? I don't. It. I don't. I don't have a clue. Like how I would interact with music. That might have happened if the person I was like the person who I was fifteen years ago. How he interacted with music fifteen years ago saw this now. I might think that this kids my... now with Wikipedia. And all that kind of stuff might be like, oh, okay, he's in this band. He does his thing. Great. He can do all sorts of stuff. Whereas once upon a time, he's like, oh, he's the musician, and that's it. Like, he's from Nine Nails, that's it. My working theory is that they're approaching it based on he's in Nine Inch Nails, and he's done a bunch of movie stuff. Because, A, anyone who's sort of – I think because when you become a fan of a band, like when I became a fan of uh, Metallica, for example, mm -hmm. as a teenager, I approached it as this is Metallica and I sort of look to 
it what other fans of Metallica liked mm-hmm. and and what they liked about the band and then try to discuss music with them and that's yet another reason why I don't like talking about music is because I feel like I've I've always my entire life it's been finding a band finding their fans and then failing to connect with their fans because I don't really I listen to you you and I listen to just so much music that it's really hard to like I, I remember uh, really feeling this weird disconnect listening to uh, the Dropkick Murphys and loving the Dropkick Murphys. And there's a Dropkick Murphys fan, a song where they make fun of the darkness. And I was <laughs> like, but, you know, I, I it's not that I don't like the, the darkness are funny. Like it's a funny, goofy, you know, like band like they're uh, they're a they're in on the on, joke. Like, yeah, they're in on the joke. Like, well, I know that I know that the Dropkick Murphys were probably making that joke because of that. If you're gonna pick anyone, you might as well pick someone who's in on the joke yeah. because you're like, ah, you know, like, noogies. Ah. Yeah, exactly. We're having uh, a good old fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not rappers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I figure it was done in jest or uh, football players. And- yeah, yeah. So, so that's fine. But okay, so I, I, so my working theory is that kids uh, approach it by way of what they hear in movies and on trailers and in television and things like that, and they approach it because Shazam. That's my my main way I imagine that kids learn about music is things like Shazam of hearing something and then going, oh, I really like that, and then sort of exploring deeper into it. And you really don't have to go very far from Trent Reznor to Nine Inch Nails. No, you and don't. I, th- I think there's also, to me, as a, as a huge Nine but Inch like, Nails fan. Sorry. What's that? Go ahead. All I was going to say is, for me, as a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, I don't see a huge difference in Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails because of things like Ghosts. Because the, his, his, the, the album. No, well, Nine Inch Nails is essentially Trent Reznor the band. Like, it yeah, really yes. is. Yes, yeah. But the, more so the, than Johnny Greenwood is Radiohead the band, like. But he's doing all sorts of interesting movie soundtracks up too. Okay, the the reason why I say Trent Reznor God, I I and, right. they're so they're so connected, was it? God, I hope Johnny. I got Johnny Greenwood's name right. Consider considering that we had an entire podcast about me pronouncing a guy's <laughs> name wrong over and over and over again. I think you're okay. okay. So. I think that when it comes to something like music with kids, they go on something like Shazam or like, for example, a, a fucking Twilight soundtrack or, or whatever the whatever the new version. What of are those is kids are doing now? No, 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 no. I know, I know the name of it. I'm just drawing a blank on it. The Catching Fire or whatever it is. The that um Hunger the, Games. Hunger Games, yeah, yeah, Hunger Games. If it's on the Hunger Games soundtrack, kids are going to listen to it. And and generally, if you heard Trent Reznor through. The social network or because I'm assuming my guess is that if you heard Trent Reznor's work and it wasn't through Nine Inch Nails, my guess is it's because every fucking NPR show plays uh, the fucking social network soundtrack in the background of whatever they do. Like the social network soundtrack is everywhere and and it's because it's such a great fucking soundtrack and it's so easy to use fucking everywhere. That's why it's everywhere. And someone's going to pull up their phone, pull up Shazam, you know, load up Shazam. It's going to say, you know, Trent Reznor. I'm starting to realize this might be a bad example. I'm not sure how popular the movies Trent Reznor does soundtracks for are with kids. I think with teenagers, very popular. Really? Oh, yeah. Fucking, oh, yeah. Like, like teenagers are going to see the fucking social network? I love the social network, don't get me wrong. But I was sold on David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin, not the Facebook story. And that's okay. See, that's the thing. That's why you. It's the same shit that when I I was saying this to Colin Adrian when I, oh, when I was on Pub Chat, I was talking to Colin and Adrian about this. When people think I've been about on Pub Chat twice, fuck off. I really both us about Mad Men, not random things about hiding cheese under the ground, but still. Yeah. Well. Okay. My point was is that we tend to look back on teenagers nowadays and think that they're vastly different than us, and they're really not. Uh, were they're, and they're very, really not that different than we were in teenagers. We, you teenagers tend to watch movies that are really aimed at like or okay, teenagers. That's true. Like, that's true. Your no, average eighteen-year-old probably loves the shit out of David Fincher because yeah, of things like House of Cards. I, I love Chuck Palahniuk. Like I can't, I can't front. Like I was, I was all into that shit at that, that point, and that wasn't yeah. necessarily for teenagers. Exactly. Our our fucking movie was Fight Club. Like yeah, yeah. Fight Club was ninety nine, wasn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, that was eighteen. Yeah. That's I. I was whatever fifteen or sixteen yeah. or fourteen or whatever it was. Yeah. I was very young when that movie but, came out. Uh, sorry, we should nip this in the bud. Probably. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is fine. We could. Okay. Well, well, dove, dove, dovetail. Don't worry. Okay. I, I still got to introduce well, the episode. My, my point was like when I when I saw Mark Mothersbaugh the first time on Norgrats in nineteen ninety five. I feel like or something like that. There was no way to see he was in anything else. Yes. So by the time I could look him up in something because I was actively interested, 
was well beyond the point where I could find out who's in Devo and be like, oh, Devo. I like, I already knew, like, I knew Devo when I saw Rugrats. I knew Mark Mothersbaugh when I saw Rugrats. I just couldn't, I had no easy resource to connect the two at that point. So okay. when I finally, found, I didn't think to look it up for years. And at some point, I saw someone tell him Mark Brothersbow from Devo, and I was like, wait a minute. Is that the same dude? And then I found it was the same dude. But like, you- because at the time of, of acknowledging his existence as a solo artist, doing soundtracks for TV shows for kids. Yes. And since then, lots of other stuff, but still, at the time, TV shows for kids. I I never even considered he could be from something else. He was just like that was that random dude whose name I see all the time. To give you an idea specifically with Trent Reznor, if you look Trent Reznor up on a Spotify, it actually for the biography actually gives you the biography of Nine Inch Nails because they're just to them it's just the same it person, it's the same thing. It is. And and so I'm when surprised you go, it was the Halo number on social network. Yeah, okay, see see. <laughs> uh, that might be a little too inside baseball. No, I don't. No, no. I think anyone who's listening to this, I think you have a pretty good idea what the hell that that joke was about. But he also did uh, the Call of Duty soundtrack as well, and that's like fucking Call of Duty is huge, huge with teenagers. So that that's something he did the theme of Call of Duty Black Ops Two. So like that's that's a pretty if if you hear that and you're like this is fucking cool, I want to hear about this more. You go to look up anything regarding this guy, you're gonna get that. So I have a pretty good feeling that we shouldn't be that. Like I think the teens understand that there's a huge uh, – th- th- if you just dig like one step deeper that you're going to find who this person really is and what they were in and things like that. So I mean I, I can't imagine that I wish my I could way have of finding like that when I was a kid. Of, what's that? I said I wish I could have dug like that when I was a kid. Well – It was closest, way harder. It's not impossible but it was way harder. But the closest thing we had to it was something like Napster where you would there find was, something you There like. was no Napster. Like <laughs> I well, missed for, Napster. I, I pirated MP3s yeah. pre-Napster. Skip Napster and they did it again after Napster in a in a weird series of events. Yeah, but uh, like I I was I was at a I wasn't at the right age necessarily for Napster. See, I, I was I yeah. definitely was, and that that's the, to me that was the first step of like I could f- hear a com- song in a commercial or I could hear a, a song in a movie soundtrack things like that, and then I can go look up just basically punch it into Napster and mm-hmm. Napster would load up all their music. And that's also why I have, I think Napster is part of the reason why I have such weird musical tastes is because everything was mislabeled. So yep. when you download something, you'd be like, Oh, like for example, like, Oh, this is, you know, like this flagpole sit up by some random ska band instead of Harvey Danger. Ex- exactly. Exactly. I'm actually that, about this, that uh, actually happened week. to us on YouTube the other day, Michelle and I were looking up all for you, which we thought was by blues traveler. And it came yes. up as Blue Travel on YouTube. It's Sister Hazel. Yes. So uh, I think it's time to introduce the episode considering yeah. we're like 15 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is episode 45. Uh, there's no uh, – you could say it. It's there is point. no data. There is only Zool. There you go. I – fucking beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It was easy. It was this one of those is, ones that is... just came to me. I can't really take any real credit for it. This I is changed a T to, an N to a T. This is why you're in charge here. <laughs> I'm in charge. So what I wanted to talk about this episode was something that we want to talk about for months now. We actually tried to get John Stump on the podcast, and that never oh, really yeah. went anywhere. Oh, I remember. I remember everything with Internet Boyfriends. I have a very long memory when it comes to Internet Boyfriends. Anything else in my it's life? It's so, so hard on the West yeah, Coast. It. It's just hard to schedule things to the West Coast. He's a busy dude. He's a busy he dude. Is, and like and... when we were doing Paper Keg West, we recorded Sunday mornings at Oof. like 10 Jesus. Like, they woke up at 7 to record talking about comics, and I woke up at te- I got up at 10, so that's what worked. That's insane. Yeah. I don't think I could do that for <laughs> that's work. That's why there's no Paper Keg West anymore. Yeah. Jesus. Amongst other reasons, but... Yeah. Well, I get, also I, that you're not, not that I get... I still get along fine with John and camera. It's just, it's, uh... So we all sort of got tired of that format and time. Well, then, I'm moving right along. <laughs> uh, we were going to talk about, or I think we still are going to talk about, mm-hmm. and OkCupid okay and a bunch of other things. Big data, basically, uh, as the title would lead sure. you to believe. A while ago now, there was an experiment that was run on Facebook where Facebook employees actively tried to depress the shit out of Facebook users. What they would do is they had a certain group of users that they targeted to try to seed uh, negative thoughts. They would show you certain posts and they would control your feed to show you – they curate your feed to show you only things that were negative or things that they thought were negative or what the algorithm thought was negative in order to hopefully get you to be negative and then repost things that are negative to see, in theory, 
it was for a good cause, which is that if you can, if the algorithm can pick out negative versus positive, then they can start figuring out what you actually want your feed. And most people don't want negative things in their feed. That's how social media works. You only want positive or controversial things generally, or things that you're very adamant and, uh, you know, uh, foaming at the mouth over. So by the way, do you know why you foam at the mouth when you have rabies? Nope. It's because are you spoiling the QI for me? No, 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 no. This is something your QI. Okay. Uh, this is just me thinking about rabies one day. Uh, it's because uh, when you, uh, it's spread through your saliva. Oh, okay. Rabies is spread through saliva, so if you're foaming at the mouth, you are dripping saliva everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's more of a chance you're going to affect the bite wound. Yeah. So uh, there's this whole thing where they're trying to possibly harm users and not really telling them about it, and then. Them, them kind of backing off it and saying like, no, 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 no. Yeah, we we harmed users, and we, and we experiment. We experiment on users. We didn't really harm them. I mean, it's hard, kind of hard to say we harm them by making them think negative things or say negative things. But th- it's all for a greater good, and and everybody does it. You know, everybody does it. Of and then, everyone does and, it. Well, and but then then uh, Christian Rudder, uh, one of the founders of OKCupid, came out with an OKCupid post that actively said we experiment on people, and also that's probably not just because of the whole Facebook thing. Uh, it's because of the timing of he had a book that came out right after, which I read because I'm a big fan of OKCupid. Uh, I met a couple of my ex-girlfriends are OKCupid. I'm not a fan of, of them because they're all ex-girlfriends, and OKCupid obviously is not doing a very good job uh, with introducing well, like, me to people. Chris, Christian Rudder, now I'm remembering more about him from pre-OKCupid days. Yes. He used yeah. to do all sorts of weird shit on the internet. Yes, like, right. That was his thing. That was his thing. He paid uh, He paid people a bunch of money to eat something horrible, I remember. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Like, uh, it, well, his uh, was the Spark. The, it was the Spark yeah. and Spark Notes was Christian Rudder's thing. And, and and so Spark Notes was obviously the smarter little brother. The, the Spark was yeah. this crazy site that had lots of – like before you had BuzzFeed quizzes, you had the Spark and did quizzes and things like that. And, that, and, and well, also that's, that's what I grew into after he was essentially his blog of – weird sociological experiments he would do on himself and his friends and people yes. he knew. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And it will also and that's what that's what OK Cupid started off yeah. as was you can date people and also there's lots of quizzes. Yeah. And you can sign up for the quizzes and that was sort of the hook was hey, you can sign up for the quizzes and you can just say, I'm just signing up for the quizzes and it helps us increase our user base, but at the same time, it allows people who actually do want to date to just say, no, I'm just there for the quizzes. Because mm-hmm. at that point, people were like, ooh, internet dating. Whereas now, I really feel like everyone I've talked to in the last six months about internet dating, because I've been talking about this a lot with like random people talking about experimentation and internet dating and things like that. Um, most people tend to think internet dating is beyond normal. Like yeah. beyond normal to the point of where it's boring. Like, well, like when I, I, I met Michelle more, online, and at the time, it was like a little weird. But no, that's eight years ago. On okay, Lava Life. Lava Life. Oh, okay. Which is a much bigger site in Canada. Yes. Sort of yeah. the Match.com Canada. Yeah. Or at least yeah. it was eight years ago or nine years ago or whatever the fuck it was. And you pay for it. Uh, I did. She didn't. Like, it, you paid for, you could pay for uh, messages to send or something. So it tended to be men paying for it and women just waiting. I yeah, think. Okay. Uh, which is, I think, the MO of most dating sites. Uh, at least okay, it was. Okay, at least okay, it was when I. Yeah. When I, because I used to work for a dating site company. Yes. Uh, a couple, sort of. And at the time, this was again years and years ago now. So I don't. I don't know what the current model is. I think the current model is more. Uh, okay, keep plenty of fish stuff going forward. Uh, I think I'm sure, the, but like it, there's okay, keep plenty of fish, which are one class of thing, and there was the Match.coms and Lava Lives and um, yes. eHarmonies of the world, which worked at least at the time again i've been happily in a relationship for years uh at least at the time where you'd pay for ways to communicate with the person you could sort of nudge them for free but if you wanted to actually send a message you had to pay x dollar like i think lava life was you bought credits and you could spend the credits as you saw fit See, um, see, now that doesn't work so well because yeah. you can just put something in your profile that says like you know fucking snapchat me or kick me or yeah. whatever and yes yeah, so that's that wouldn't work. Most sites tend to either break down into it's a paywall that you got to pay to get in and and kind of be part of it, like Match, or it's like OkCupid okay, where it's totally free. But if you want premium things, you pay for a premium. Yeah, I, some of them. St- I think some of them still have like you pay for more flexibility for your searching and stuff, and like yes, yeah, yeah or to view more than X profiles a day, stuff like that. Yeah, 
uh, OkCupid is uh, as many profiles as you want to see a day, but you get really specific. They, they have, you have to get the premium uh, version. Also, you there's yeah. certain things like, uh, for example, OkCupid will tell you how attractive you are for five bucks a month. I think it is. No, see, okay, see, here, here's the thing. That matters a lot, and we'll get into that, which is, so Facebook did this experiment. I'm assuming that your, your belief is that what they did was unethical, to experiment on people in that way is unethical. Well, I have complex feelings about this, so that's why I'm starting with you. That's an interesting question. Like, it might be unethical, but, like, I, I don't it's think it's a utilitarian it effort, certainly. Do. I think it also like, the problem was it was not a great experiment. Yeah. That was the, my main problem with it, is it was not no. a perfect experiment. Uh, if, but, like, we're both in sort of in this field in varying degrees. Like it's something you do. You want to make the experience the best you can for your yes. users to get more money out of them. Um, so you occasionally tweak things like, Oh, maybe I'll try this algorithm to show this kind of information and see what it does to whatever metrics I'm measuring to see how successful it was. And that's a normal thing for websites to do. They don't usually call it experimenting. They usually call it. Testing a new algorithm, like it's not like, but essentially it is experimenting well, okay. on your user Typically, base. Typically, what you're talking about, I think what you're talking about is A/B testing, correct? Sometimes, sometimes it's just well, like, oh, let's try this I'm, thing I'm out, and specific, if it doesn't work, be we'll stop it for a second because I want to talk to anybody, like anybody who's listening to this and they don't really know. I think Facebook's thing was an A/B test, though. Like they had the one group doing one yeah, thing. Yeah, well, the, other specific, one, I, the way I want to set this up is I just want to explain what all this stuff is because I think we're talking about inside baseball. Fuck, like this could be this could get really inside baseball real fast. Yeah. So uh, the the idea is that you have a website and you have a button, right? And on that on that website with that button, uh, if you hit the button, you send person to add something to their cart, say. And what you would do is you would A/B test it. You would have you know one be the control and another be the the new new fancy button, and if someone clicks on the fancy button more than they click on the control button then you want to go to the fancy button and you just keep doing this over and over and over again and, and the thing is is that in real life it's really expensive to run experiments because you have to get people if you had a store if you like a coffee like a starbucks for example um well i shouldn't say it's a bad example because starbucks taco, taco bell specifically taco bell a b tests the shit at everything they fucking do uh like it really and like mm-hmm. it, it, that's the thing if you have like a cafe a small time mom and pop shop you don't have the ability to really test the shit out of everything whereas if you have a website even if you have like your mom and pop website, you can get Google Analytics for free and you can run experiments with Google Analytics and basically figure out it really if you, if you are have a small business and you have a social media account and you don't know what analytics are, you're fucked. There's something you're doing horribly wrong. If you have a webcomic yeah. and you don't have analytics for, for your social media and you're not really keeping tabs on those things. Like that was uh, when uh, Kelly did uh, uh, Kickstarter. I really, really wish I had just said – like really sat down and been like how can I help uh, with this sort of thing because I kind of felt like, – the, the reason I never said this stuff in the past really it was because A, I didn't really want to get into this because I felt like a lot of this stuff was kind of squicky. Uh, and then the other part of it is I really don't want to mm-hmm. be a know-it-all mouthy – you know fucking asshole but every once in a while when i go on twitter and i say like hey twitter will give you analytics for free it's analytics.twitter.com anyone can use it and and i use it all the time i run experiments at least once a week on my twitter feed and i tell i try to tell people i tell people you I fucking say it. yeah i you, you if i learn I anything good from the experiments that i run on my twitter feed i usually tweet what i did how i did it and how you can replicate that if it's a positive thing bad science you sure the reason i don't report too. my failures or i don't report things that are like malicious is simply because i don't want to fair enough yeah like like, exactly. like, real like real scientists. Scientists. we did this test and found nothing yes, let's, let's just let's pretend like it never happened sociology of science here but uh but <laughs> so basically you have uh, a website you can test these things like for example there was the famous uh google test of the 43 different colors of 40 different shades of blue famous well, as stretch, but yeah. with, with ux people it's famous <laughs> yeah it's famous in certain circles well, sure it's not kim kardashian that's why it's famous so, anywho, uh, so you have Facebook running these experiments. They're not really telling their users that they're running these experiments. I think it's fair to say. I think most websites. Oh don't yeah, tell for them. sure. I mean, I mean, I, to my mind, I just expect this to happen. You know, like, I mean, admittedly, I'm we're both well dialed into this kind of thing and understand the situation. And it's not like they're horrible masterminds trying to toy with our emotions. I mean, they are a little bit, but not really. They're more profit driven than that. But like, I, don't know. It's, I, 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 it seems to be the general public just think this is just happen, and they just assume it magically works better because they just guessed. Like, how do you like? I don't understand the. I mean, I do, but 
I don't understand the world these people come from when they think, oh, they just turned this thing on and magically it worked. Without, Of course they test on people. Like, Facebook has been putting out their updates in waves for 10 Dude, years now. Like, this is not new. Like, it's they've been testing, like, they put out the new design to a subset of people. And then a larger subset of people tweak it. Larger subset of people tweak it. Those are they're still but experimenting on those that, users. Before Facebook, you had the club cards at supermarkets. I mean, with, no, of every course, company of course. has been I'm testing saying, on like, you. Every company has been running experiments on you in yes. some way. It's just we don't call it experiments; we call it advertising. Yeah, every single ad you've ever seen is the result of an experiment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what focus testing sure. is. Like, yeah, yeah. Extreme coupon. <laughs> Weird to most people. There's nothing you can do about it, period. Like, there's, aside from getting off the internet entirely and never, no, fuck it. There's no, nothing you can do about it, period. If you have, if the way to, the way to avoid any experimentation on you is to pay exclusively in cash, have no cards whatsoever, be like, you really have to get entirely off the grid and live in a cabin in the middle of North Dakota or something. Like, otherwise, you're being experimented on. Period. Yes. That's what's happening in your life. And I started to feel kind of bad about that, especially when I started, the, the more I learned about SEO things, when I first got back into web design, the more I learned about SEO, the more <laughs> I was like, oh God, this is disgusting. This is really ugly. But the thing is, is that that's a certain... And you're, you're, not, you're not back in the yeah, horrible no, well, okay, that's like... Back when I was in college, and I, 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 I there's never a time where I did, wasn't aware of what SEO was. Because if you're aware of the, the funny thing about SEO is if you're yeah. aware how Google works, you're basically aware of how SEO works because you're just gaming Google. That's what it is. Yeah. But really, I mean, it, it's content design. You're trying to shape your content to be very pointed to a certain topic. Like it makes it makes sense, mm-hmm. and it's all stuff that maybe you should be doing anyway. Generally, the, the yeah, the best SEO absolutely. is absolutely good. SEO is stuff you should be doing that is exactly. good for on page SEO, especially is something that you need to be doing. Uh, and it's not, and, yeah. and, and it sucks that it's called that, but it is on page SEO. You should be doing it if you have a website. So that started to kind of put a bad taste in my mouth about these sorts of things. And then also, as someone with depression, that sort of hits home with the whole Facebook thing. Is if Facebook actively went out of its way to really start messing with me, I interact with Facebook. A lot less now, but I usually do log into Facebook once a day to see what's going on, and maybe that's a bad thing. Because the other thing, too, is I know full well that Facebook is bad for me. I do, it's To me, it's proven. I, I have a pretty solid belief. That's a pretty like, – like the sky is blue. Facebook's bad for me. <laughs> For for my feed, Facebook is less bad for okay, me than Twitter. Okay, the reason why I say Facebook is bad for me and Twitter isn't is because I know that Twitter's selling poison hot dogs. Facebook, I'm not... <laughs> well, I know Facebook's also selling poison okay, hot dogs. This is not the news to is that they're selling To me, they're selling bad hot dogs, and that's the thing. It, it, it's, it's more of an insidious thing on Facebook because on Facebook, people talk about their life achievements, and when you all you see is someone's life achievements all day long, you start to think that you're shit. Because it's like, okay, look at all these people with their new babies. Look at all these people on these on vacation. Because you you tend, to, yeah. Oh, okay, that's fair. But like, I, I maybe it's because I listen to Spark all the time, which is a CBC show talking about this kind of stuff. But like, this is not like I'm used to thinking that. Oh, this is the curated life that this person wants to show on Facebook. I know that their kids shit all over the place the other day. Like. That's not going to end up on Facebook. I know that all the terrible pictures aren't on Facebook. I know the pictures where they have eight chains aren't on Facebook. Like, all that stuff is not on Facebook. Because I don't put my stuff like that on Facebook. Like, when I shit all over the place, it doesn't have on Facebook. When I have eight chains, it's not on Facebook. Like, all that stuff is not on Facebook. Because why would I want that out there? I'm not an idiot. <laughs> like, the stuff I put there is like, oh, I want to show to Mexico. Yay! Here's the interesting thing I found. Yay! Like, that's... that's as I'm curating my, my Facebook existence, I don't think I'm putting on a persona or anything, but like, I'm definitely only sh- primarily showing the stuff I'm happy about because why would I want to, sh- like, barring seeking sympathy for something, why would I want to post something that is not happy or positive of myself in some way? I'll just keep because- that shit to myself, talk to you better than I am, and get over it. Like, I don't want to fill my friend's feed with garbage about me, like my neuroses and crazy complaints about life and garbage like that. No one wants to read that shit. Like, so I'm posting the stuff that people will be theoretically happy or interested to see. See, this is how I know this is going to be a gem of an episode, because all the things that you just said are all the reasons I do all those things. Everyone does. Every single person does. 
No, that's not super annoying on these social networks. I I do all of those things because I feel I feel that I represent myself. I, think I do too. Online. Almost. Yeah. I think I think between the two of us, my internet avatar is closer to reality than your internet avatar simply because when i'm having a really bad day i'm talking about it and i'm saying those types of things well and your really maybe, bad okay, days are worse also. than my really bad days yeah yeah that's that's what i was gonna say is my, my really bad days are things i feel like i have to talk about because people my really bad days are irritating coworkers so i ams that are one or two words per i am over and over again. And it's really fucking irritating to talk to someone like that. Type a whole sentence out and hit See, enter. Like, don't just type in three words and hit enter over and over again. That's really, really annoying. But I'm not going to post on Facebook about that. That's that's not something I need to share. I I don't get annoyed by those things so much. And all, all, all the stuff that really, really annoys the fuck out of most people, I just kind of count to three. That's take mostly breath, what I do. And I move on with my day. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know, I know, I know. You're not a maniac. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware of that. My point <laughs> is that I, I, especially uh, someone, uh, I don't want to say his name, but someone asked me about how to deal with anxiety this week, and I pointed out that for the last couple of years now, what I've been doing is I just sort of take a deep breath, I you know count to three or whatever it is, or really I don't, I don't count. I usually just breathe deep sure. until I feel better, and and so through deep breathing, I usually am able to kind of distance myself from it. And if that doesn't help me feel any better, I immediately think, is this going to matter in six weeks? And then I start to determine I, – I start to fuel that anxiety – use that anxiety as fuel to figure out when it is going to matter and, and what the time frame it is for it mattering. Sometimes it's a couple minutes. Sometimes it's a couple weeks. Sometimes it's the rest of my life. Sometimes something horrible happens to me, genuinely horrible, and it's going to fuck me up for the rest of my life. And that's a thing. But when I assess that and I'm introspective enough to, to get that, I can kind of move on because I can then say if it's going to fuck me up for the rest of my life, I might as well go play video games and calm down because there's really nothing else I can do right mm-hmm. now because I can't work. I can't focus on reading. I can't focus on internet boyfriends or whatever it is. I have to just go like just completely remove myself from the situation and calm the fuck down because it's not going to change. I can't change this. This is just the way it is. And so – when I do go to Facebook and I do go to Twitter and I just say the have the Twitter rants that I have and say the things that I ha- say, uh, the, all that stuff comes straight from the heart. The really only time I ever censor myself is when I feel like I need to be censored. And yeah, then like, I talk to you. I don't G-chat. really sense. I don't, so, I don't think of myself as censoring myself. I'm not like. And again, when it is, I talk to you on Chat about it. But like, yeah. I don't. I don't. The tone and sincerity and stuff I post on Facebook and Twitter are my real life situation. Uh, and while, like, like we said, your, your downs are much lower than my downs, and that's just life. But like, so I, but I, I don't feel, I don't, I don't reach points that I'm so down where I, I need to reach out necessarily. So I am mostly up on my, unless I'm talking about Gamergate or some other stupid thing from that, uh, John Oliver has pointed out to me. Um, <laughs> so what, well, my, my point is, is that do you think the algorithm yeah, is going to well, get a good uh, sense of who you are? I don't, uh, you know what I don't know, um, because I am probably more pessimistic in real life than I am on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna post on Twitter or Facebook that I think everyone having kids is probably doing their child's life to a horrible existence, uh, because the world is going to shit. But there's no point posting that. <laughs> like, I, that's just sort of I I I'm self aware. Like, that's the the beauty and harm of being fairly self-aware. Like I'm self-aware enough to realize that's sort of crazy talk. It's certainly sufficiently crazy talk. There's no point in sharing it because people got to have kids. Like there's no, like if I'm wrong, I don't want no one to have kids and then that we're all dead anyway. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I hope I'm wrong about the world going to hell and us all being miserable in the future. I really genuinely do, but I don't think I am wrong. (laughs) So like, well, but if if you're if you're wrong in saying that the world is going to end and everyone's going to die, then you've ended the human race by way of a whim, like just by way of yeah, you know, your preferences. I, I, like, Whereas if you if if you are right, it'll solve itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly, like I, I, like that's the thing. Like it's it's the kind of stuff like that where I don't necessarily post on Facebook or Twitter about because there's no real benefit to anyone in me doing that. Like, I'll get, like, if I do, I'll have a discussion with friends of mine that have kids that are great kids, that are smart, intelligent people that have kids. Um, some of them maybe listen to this podcast. I don't know. Like, and, and 
I, I hope that their smart, intelligent kids and from smart, intelligent parents are the upper class of this dystopian future and rule the world and make things a better place, ultimately. But I think we're in for some dark shit for a while. <laughs> like, I don't think we're all doomed, ultimately. I think humanity will survive long term. But... <sighs> Not looking good the near t- in the near term in my mind. That's all, and I just I like. I agree with you, I and that's part of the reason I want to have kids. I've told Michelle it's and she thinks I'm crazy, but genuinely, that is part of the reason I want to have kids. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. I, I I'm not gonna get into that. There's a whole yeah, yeah, it's a whole other thing. That's actually not a topic I'm ever gonna. Talk. I'm never gonna talk about that on Internet Boyfriends. That is that's that's one of the things that I would definitely always censor myself about. I, exactly uh, why I'm talking about it here, yeah. and I probably shouldn't be. But either way, yeah. I'm like. I don't think anyone is stupid for having kids genuinely. I'm just concerned for their well-being in this future. Oh, no, I was saying specifically me. Like, not even talking about anybody else, just specifically me, and you know the reasons for that. So it, it's it's more of, I yeah, I, it's a, not something I want to talk about here. So something to consider that's very important is is this algorithm that you have to think of uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, OkCupid, anything. They all are sort of having this... They have this algorithm. I think it's fair to just call it the algorithm because I'm not going to get into any of this shit here. It's boring and uh, complex. So you have this algorithm that takes in who you are, who it thinks you are, and then starts vomiting back results at you, whether it's possible dates, whether it's possible things that you're going to like in your feed, whether it's, you know, what, and, and this is also the problem on Twitter is that everyone's saying like, I don't want a curated feed because, you know, they're going to see everything that I, you know, like they're going to start, they're going to start paying attention to what I'm tweeting. It's like, they're already doing that. They're already, they're already doing that. Like that's, that's, that's not new. No one, if you have social media where someone's entering in thousands and thousands of words a day and just putting all their thoughts into it, there's no reason why you wouldn't just run some checks on that and just say, like, well, this is, is it likely this person's going to go to Taco Bell tonight for dinner? Because if they are, we could make a lot of money by selling ads to Taco Bell. And we could specifically go to Taco Bell and say, we have this subset of a thousand people right here that are definitely going to Taco Bell for dinner. If you tweet to them and you say, like, hey, do you love Taco Bell? Here's a coupon or whatever. You know, you, you can build some brand loyalty there. You can you can go do these sorts of things. Um, now, Christian Rudder, uh, the guy who's one of the founders of OkCupid, makes the point that if we're all honest – the algorithm allows us to see things about humanity that we've never been able yeah. to see before. For Which example, is exciting. It is exciting, but at the same time, and this is possibly why I have a lot of friction with people, is that I think we should be doing that already without the help of computers. Agreed. And and okay, so uh, I don't know how much I want to out him, but <laughs> this theoretical guy that I was talking to, who kind of maybe sort of told me about this other friend that he had. So it's two guys, and then the one guy has a girlfriend, and he said whenever he talks to his girlfriend to try to explain things about like, hey, I'm gonna hang out with my buddy over here for dinner this week, and she says, well, why are you spending so much time with him? Why don't we go out to dinner instead? He wants to say it's because our dinners are less special than <laughs> with my guy friend. Yeah, you can't say that. And see, see, that's the thing. He said the same thing. He can't say that. And I said, no, you have to say that. It is extremely important to make that point. But it's also extremely important to back up that point with facts and with reasoning to show why You have why to phrase that point case. very it, differently. It, it, I disagree. I think that you should phrase things however you're going to phrase them, and then you should explain them and have that fight and just be very clear and say, listen, it has nothing to do with you. I love you. I care about you. I love having dinner with you. You are you know, my best friend. You are awesome. But the thing is is that I only get to see my buddy once a week or I only get to do this every once in a while, and it's a scarcity problem. And also it's part of my identity to bounce things off of my friends. And and really, it's the Kurt Vonnegut thing of where if you start taking away taking away all your friends and family, and it's just you and your girlfriend, you're going to hate each other yeah. because uh, you're not sure. enough people. Like and and this is it, most yeah. most women would understand that when talked to rationally and not calling it more special than seeing with you, but only because specializes. And you're right; you're absolutely right. That is the right word to use, but yeah. it is has such connotation that special is good or better than normal as opposed to different than normal, that you can't really use it in this situation. <laughs> like, you have to you have to explain the whole thing, like, oh, I just sometimes I need to talk to my friends and blah, blah, blah. It helps me keep, like, like blah, 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 blah. all that stuff that we just talked to, you just said. But just don't say mm-hmm. the special word. That That's such a loaded word 
That's a problem. To I, I, I know it is in the same way that it's loaded to rate someone on a scale from one to ten based on their attractiveness. Sure. But I feel that every single group of friends should turn to their friends and say you're a seven or you're <laughs> a two or you're whatever. Because the thing is, is that when you're an adult, you should be able to take that. You should be able to hear that. I mean, I, I'm talking I'm talking from the point of view of someone who is extremely anxious about the most random stupid sure. shit. Someone who gets really bad depressive funks and, and has had depression for his entire adult life. I expect every single one of my friends to turn to me and say, you're a four. And and then I go, okay, I'm a four. Well, whatever whatever my number is. So And, and I, I want my friends to say that because that allows me to look at that and go, now I know what my skill set is. And that will allow me to better fit into society and better fit into situations. And it keeps me from getting into awkward situations because most awkward situations, the definition of an awkward situation is a data asymmetry of you have information that I don't have. I mean, every fucking comedy is about one character knows something the other character doesn't. Of course. And they, like in the same way that like there's that like cliche scene of someone's yelling and screaming about someone and the person standing right behind them. One person has information that a person doesn't have and and then there's an awkward moment. And it's funny and haha and whatever. So you should know all these things or you should know most of these things and we should be honest about that because if it's your friend, if it's someone you trust, it's a conversation you should have because then you can develop into a better human based no, on no, that. No, it's a conversation you have and if nine, it becomes a problem that they aren't aware of that thing. If they're aware of that thing, there's no point saying, oh, re- remember, you're actually a three. You should act like – like if they're aware and acting appropriately, it should never come up. It should only like, – because we're human and have feelings – we should bring this up if it becomes an issue in how they live their life. See, I disagree because it's not about – because I, I think you're thinking like the difference between a five no, and a No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not thinking about that. Yeah. A, a degree of self-awareness is necessary in life. And, and it's like, self-aware though. I, I don't think anyone's that self-aware. I th- okay, the way I'm looking at it is if you say are a five – and you're not aware that you're a five and you possibly think you're a six or a four. You know, you're not exactly sure that you're a sure. five, that you're an average dude. You're an average looking guy. That's not and a big deal. Then. Okay. Or you're an average looking girl. If you're somewhere in your plus one range, you're fine. I disagree. No, and the reason fine. I disagree is because things like hiring HR managers, I could fucking just run my mouth for the rest of this podcast on experiment. Of course, but like there's nothing you could do about that. And, like just like, – I'm not saying it's something that you can do about it. I'm saying it's something that you have to be aware of because, for example, if you walk into an interview and I'm a six and the person who's interviewing me is a four, whether it's a guy or a girl, doesn't matter because they're both fucking prejudiced towards handsome people or or pretty people. That's just the way it is. Men more so, but also men men are more uh, attracted to young people. Um, but still it, it's, it's something where you could go in there and say, I'm a six, this person's a four, I got this. And you can feel a little more confident and you don't need to have to worry about that. And possibly it's some, it's one of those things where you can walk in an interview and say, this is a doable interview for me. I have all the requirements I need for this interview. I'm, a, I'm better looking than the person. They will think I'm attractive. Everything's okay. Versus walking in an interview and not knowing any of the information is a very, very scary thing because you start to think like, oh shit, you know, like, am I, am I good looking? Am I, am I capable doing this interview it's it's like the the less information you have the more anxious you are in life and as someone who is very anxious i want all the information i want every piece of information and and the more information i get the less anxious i am because i can basically get it to the point of where it's like being a robot of where i can just like but, i can make but an algorithm most people, out of a man. i mean aren't you like <laughs> the average person has anxiety of course Yes. But the average person has anxiety levels more in line with me or even less than me, I would say. And okay. as a, as the relatively normal person of this podcast, I will say in a non-judgmental way. But <laughs> <laughs> just we're realize, being we're, honest here. The, we're being the honest. one closer to the baseline, let's say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we both agree on um, that. Um, yeah. the average person is not, I, I think I'm above average in self-awareness, but like, that's not necessarily going to help most people. Like, if it was, I was, th- if I had all that other stuff going in my head, I'd be like, whoa, there's too much stuff to think about. It's overwhelmed, blah, blah, blah. That's a problem for me at that point. And I th- feel like most people are on some sort of spectrum between the two of us, or where I'm in the middle and even people are even more overwhelmed by more choices. I don't know. I don't, I don't talk to enough people. You're the one that reads all the studies. But like, well, you've read all the studies. What do you mean? Like, are most people like you where they need the more, the more information, the better, or is the more information actually harming? 
the situation. It's interesting you bring this up because that's one of the things I've never researched. Okay. I've never, I've never thought <laughs> about, or I've never thought. To... I've detoured yeah. you on something else. Yeah, I've never thought to research that because I always assume that people would want to know because the way I mentally frame this was if you were going to a job interview, would you want to know if the person that you're, who's interviewing you is a racist? And I think, I think there are some questions most people say yes. yes. I think there are some questions that most people will say no. I think for you, all the questions you want to say yes. Yes. Like, as, as, a, as a white guy with blonde hair oh, and blue eyes, I still like, don't know if they're racist. I, I – I feel like the vast majority of people would rather not know than know, broadly speaking. And I don't mean just for job interviews. I mean just in life in general. They would yeah, rather yeah, yeah, not yeah. know the answer to most questions than know the answer. And that's depressing. But I think that's what most people are like. But that assumes that people actively want a low uh, emotional I think people don't which I don't care. think is the case either. See, I don't know, I, I don't know either, but I, my I impression like, is that people yeah. are interested enough that they like most people. I think want to like make enough want to make enough money to live and have enough leisure time to watch some TV, have sex as regular as they want, and eat as regular as they want. Beyond that, the, most people don't care. What you're saying is the average person is exactly who Mr. Ford says they are. <laughs> they want cold beer, warm pussy, and a place to take a shit with a door Pretty on it. Pretty so much. Look at you. <laughs> okay. A- and I don't think everyone's okay. like that. And I-, I don't think most people are friends with it like that. But I think that most people are like that. And that may be horribly elitist of me. And maybe I'm just like everyone else and everyone else is curious, but it, uh, curious about the world. But I, I don't get the impression at all that most people are curious about the world at large. Like I get the impression that most people are significantly less curious than we are. Well, that that's I agree. I, I agree that most people are less curious than we are, and that's that's why I've had such problems with my morality or or my approach to morality mm-hmm. is that when I I know the more I know about people and the more I know about civilization and society and and how humans work, the more I start to think that I'm a bad person. And the reason why is because I get data that doesn't square with how I've been acting. Like for this, for the fact that I'm going to be at 30 years old and I'm going to be a huge man child, and I'm not really too worried about like anything in particular. I'm kind of just taking as I go. The, you mean the really standard also because it's part the of standard you know, thirty. Yeah. These days, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. But th- at the same time, if that's the standard thirty-year-old, that is a massive crime perpetrated on the female population oh, because women women want men that are going to age with them and are mature and capable of having children around their late twenties because generally that's safer for women to do. And if men aren't prepared to have, you know, it, basically, a woman does not want to be twenty-eight years old and marry a guy who's thirty-five because he's emotionally twenty-eight. That's not what women want, and and they're being forced to figure things out against their will. Really, like they're, they're being forced to do legwork they shouldn't have to do. The world should theoretically work where a woman says, biologically, I'm limited to this. Everyone should abide by that because it's a hard rule. There's no one, there's no one standing with a gun next to me saying yeah. that you have there, to. But there is a hard gun saying you know, post-35, the viability of – Kids is not as good as it was before thirty five or whatever the date is, but like you know, what I mean, there yeah. there is a hard limit at which point things the success of giving birth drops off precipitously. And, and and so when you look at something like OkCupid, okay, you look at these algorithms, you can start to figure out what people actually want because when you ask people to report things like that, say like, okay, well, do women want men their own age? If a woman report that, they're probably going to report like, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of want men my own age, uh, but you know, maybe a younger man, maybe an older man, maybe sure. maybe older men look better, you know, something like that. And you, and you start to look at that and you start to say like, okay, well, is that true? And yes, to an extent, it's true. But then once men start to hit like forty, forty five, they kind of drop off. Most yeah. women want a man who's going to stay eternally in their his early forties, basically. And and that's the thing, like. Because that's basically when men are at their peak, apparently, in modern day society is that you have the money and the, the mm-hmm. posi- social position and everything that a woman – protection, I guess, that a woman would want. Uh, and that's great. You're the most well-suited to raise a family. Exactly. And, and so that sort of like stops there, uh, whereas men basically just always want a 20, 21, 22-year-old girl across the board. Because they're the most fertile. Yeah. Again. 
What a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and so it's one of those things yeah. of where guys will say, like, no, I want to grow my own age and whatever. And I'm sure that, you know, from person to person, that's, you know, it, like an, you're talking about an ordinary person. That's fine. You know, I, I know that we haven't had this problem I mean, speaking for myself, I, I genuinely prefer a 30-year-old to 20-year-old. Yeah. Genuinely, 100% prefer. Yeah. <laughs> But like, I totally understand that something like the Facebook experiment where they're like, oh, let's make her into pest for a while and then see if it works better will show a more accurate, and it turned out being that, no, it didn't work better, but it will show more accurately because people don't know they're being experimented on. So they're just going to act normally like, ah, oh, they're, they're just genuinely less engaged with the content because they're all depressed all the time, as opposed to liking and sharing and all that stuff, if it's stuff that makes them happier. Which is works for me for sure. Like I'm more likely to share something that either makes me smile or laugh or or whatever, generally positive things, or triggers a certain amount of righteous indignation. But like, not depresses me. It has to excite me in some way. Either po- it, it, it has to excite me. It could be positive excitement or negative excitement, but it has to excite me in some way to share it or like it. And, and if they're showing stuff that depresses people, that is the opposite of exciting, whether positive or negative. And they discovered that whether and and which is not, is not surprising to me at all, but like it is not necessarily what people would respond to necessarily. Like if they were asked the question openly, yeah, they're like, no, I want to hear everything I want to say. I want to see everything. I want to. I want to know the full depth of my friends. Reality. Well, that's, no, that's what everyone's saying about Twitter. Everyone keeps saying, "Well, I don't want to curate Twitter feed. I don't want to. I don't want to see favorites in my feed. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see that. I only want the people I follow. I don't want. To, I don't want ads in my tweet in my feed. I don't want this. I don't want that." It's like, yeah, but the thing is, is that a Twitter has to run as a company, and b you don't know what yeah. you want. Yeah, you don't. you don't. And like, I also think that I would. I want my uncurated feed. But the, the, that's also because Facebook's feed is a, has always been different than uh, the than Twitter's sure. feed. But like, I it's entirely possible that I will end up enjoying the curated Twitter feed more than the non-curated Twitter feed. In day-to-day use, I might enjoy it more. Yeah. And th- and that's what and that's the thing. That's what matters. That's the problem that I think a lot of people have with algorithms and big data and this kind of stuff is that once you start looking at this kind of stuff, you find out shit that you maybe don't want to know about yourself. And that goes back to what you said before. Yeah, it's depressing yeah. sometimes. It's yeah. like I don't want to know that I'm that easily yeah. figured out. Yeah. But I am. I'm like every other person, really. Like we're like we're not. None of us are really that different from each other. Well, really. th- this goes back to uh, my uh, let's say high school friend. Uh, high school friend was on OKCube, and he was asking me how you message girls. And I was on OKCube, and I was doing quite well for myself on OKCube. And so I said to him, "How you message girls is you should basically come up with a fun anecdote or something that you're going to say every single beginning of a conversation with someone, and basically read the person's profile, get a couple pieces of information from it to be like, hey, you like the same kind of bands, or hey, you like this movie, you both like this like really weird movie." that no one's not a whole like it's a very specific and rare movie uh you like you find that kind of specific stuff and mention that but then also have sort of a boilerplate message as well that you kind of work it in like a sort of like a cover letter of sorts of where you're not supposed to send the same cover letter to every company but really you basically have a template or a letter and then you insert yeah. what matters you about have to otherwise yeah. you'll spend all your days writing cover letters like you can't not exactly do that. and so the boilerplate according to christian rudder uh is 75 percent of as, as effective as an actual total original message 75 75 percent of as effective and that's insane it takes way less than oh, yeah. to, like it yeah, takes, it takes way, way less time. <laughs> and if you said that the people that like, hey, did you know I met your mother by way of sending this like fucking template like out over and over and over again until I met her on OKCupid, this is horrifying. Well, there was a whole there was a, at least one TED talk of some woman who took her online dating profile, analyzed all the situation, like made 10 different profiles of 10 different sort of types of people and checked how it all worked out and then tailored her profile to be exactly what she wanted to attract the right kind of guy in the best possible way and end up meeting the guy marrying him. Like she totally did. A, yeah. She joeyed the whole thing like, <laughs> and it worked. And it was like, I, it was a Ted talk from a year ago or so now, but it was, it was super interesting. And like, I don't know why more people don't do this and why there aren't tools to do this more, more easily. There are, happier, I don't care, really. there are, that's what, that's what the actual, that's what you're paying extra for. Okay. Uh, and that's, and that's what I'm saying is that this is again, brings me back to, I don't know what people want because they, people say that they don't want to know all this information, but I can pretty conclusively prove to people. I could make a really strong argument as I'm doing in this podcast that if you knew what the algorithm knew about you, you do 
things differently in the same way that you can you can look conclusively oh, sure. when someone gets a Fitbit or something that measures how much they walk or how well they sleep, something that really, really measures the shit out of you and you get that feedback loop, you start to improve and you start to do things differently and you start to break bad habits because you're getting that information and saying like, well, it, like think about it in the same way that people say like, well, how do you diet? And like people ask me, they're like, how did you lose 100 pounds? It's like, it's extremely easy. Stop eating crap and exercise like crazy. But then they say like, well, it's really hard to do. I can't do that. I have really bad habits. Okay, here's what you do. Here's an extremely easy way to fix that. Get a notebook. Go to the store and a notebook. Lauren last night was making fun of me because she didn't believe that I actually had a notebook that I carried around that I wrote all the beer I drank in and, and like all the everything. But I had this little notebook that I carried around with me because my memory is really bad. I've said that for the fucking millionth time on this podcast. Uh, and yeah. I would write down uh, all the beers I had drank, all the random ideas. I was thinking about during the day and I have notebooks and notebooks and notebooks. I have a whole closet still of just fucking notebooks just, I, I carry notebooks around with me everywhere I go every time I leave the house I have a notebook with me I always have notebooks bring a notebook with you every time you eat something write it down in the notebook I guarantee just by the fact that you have to you have to write something down in the notebook you will eat less mm-hmm. and you will be way more mindful of what you're eating mindfulness is the only way to fix bad habits and so when you're talking about something like an algorithm it, any sort of more any sort of data makes you more mindful if you go into a job interview and you say oh this person's a racist they might not be racist towards your race but just the fact that they are racist makes you more mindful of what kind of person this is and you're able to sort of cheat your level of emotional intelligence because you're able to, really it's social engineering is what we're talking about is that you're able to kind of get one over on somebody because you have information that they don't you, you know lots of things about this person and they, and they don't know you in the same way that people are afraid of impossible employers looking up their uh, facebook stuff is like oh this is possible employer looked up my you know facebook information well that shouldn't matter well it does matter because they know information about you that you don't know about them you're going in that interview totally blind and they know that you like nickelback and you don't know anything about them and and that's a huge kind of an issue but at the same time maybe there is something about your self-esteem that's protected by the fact that you don't know everything because like for example if you don't know you're a five and you think that you're a six and all of a sudden you find out you're a five that could seriously fuck with you in a whole bunch of ways especially if you're already in a relationship and you're already like if you're already happy you don't want information but if you're miserable you need information Maybe it's good to know this shit because it helps you also like this whole idea about like last night. I, everyone was uh, talking on Twitter today about uh, I didn't watch it, but John Oliver or John, John Stewart. Sorry, John Stewart was yelling about um, uh, the, white privilege yeah. at Bill O'Reilly. And there has to be a yeah. yelling argument about this because people still don't understand white privilege. And possibly the reason that they don't understand white privilege is simply because they don't they this shit that they know the data they have in their life doesn't square with yeah that. of course why else would you believe They're like it? oh my 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 life has not been a sea of roses and easiness yeah. therefore white privilege does not yeah. exist let alone white yeah. male well, privilege when you ask when you ask me whether or not you know people want this data I don't know I don't know if someone because I, I don't I don't think of someone who thinks that a white guy who doesn't believe in white privilege I don't think he wants data to prove him wrong. Because that cre- it creates cognitive no, dissonance. Of course it doesn't. You don't want cognitive. You just generally do yeah. not want cognitive dissonance. Something you avoid every single day, all the time. So, you know, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. But I know that these algorithms could help us get that data. And I know that if these algorithms can help us get that data, maybe some of these experiments are okay to do. Maybe it's okay to mess with people. I I don't know. I mean, because how bad could you really mess up somebody's life? Yeah. Then again, on OKCupid, they specifically paired up people that were not matched together. People that they they specifically paired up people that would hate each other based on the algorithm. Took away their or or at least uh, massaged the ratings so that they would date each other. And then when these people started dating and hitting it off, they were able to say, "Hey, by the way, did you know you guys should hate each other?" That could be some serious real world pain right there. And yeah. And, that's probably not okay. But at the same time, there's no ethics board saying you can do this and you can't do that. You're just, it's just a bunch of nerds in a room with computers. And I think that we're seeing more and more like with Twitter now, uh, that if you have a bunch of nerds in a room with computers, you can seriously fuck with people. There's lots of horrible shit you can do to people. (laughs) And, and maybe the algorithm is the least of our worries. I don't know. I don't know. It, that that part is that's a whole other yeah. thing. Yeah. No, I know, I know, I know. It's a, I know it's a whole other thing. But it, it's. I, but again, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing by measuring that against this. Is that maybe it's not a good idea to say like someone trolling on Twitter and threatening someone's life uh, has nothing to do with an algorithm. 
It's a horrible fucking thing. I mean, like it's 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 a horrible fucking thing, but it's what people do. It's what some people do. My stance on this now, the reason why I don't talk about it anymore on Twitter, because I haven't been. If anyone's going to talk about Gamergate, I think it would be me. Trying hard not to. I'm trying hard not Uh, to. The reason I don't is because I feel like the person at fault right now is Twitter. I feel like Twitter and basically the authorities are the problem right now. Is that the is that police should be getting involved in this sort of of shit? Since what are since what are death threats not exactly. death threats when exactly. they're online? Yeah, that's ridiculous. It, it is still a crime, as right? As far as I know, like there's, there's no speci- there's no specificity in the death threat law that says it has to be done in print or in person. I I really don't know that much about the law when it comes to death threats because I they didn't teach us that shit in school because yeah. it was not something that came up. Yeah, no, of yeah. course, of course. But I, I have to assume it's not that specific. I assume they assumed that, and if they assume that, they should assume it applies to everything, really. Because if some jackass on 4chan can find out the IP and who the person actually is, they can a police station can hire someone pretty easily to do that. I really hate it when Yahoo Answers is the fastest way to find out about something. Apparently, we don't know uh, because the Supreme Court has yet to decide on it. So, yeah. Okay, okay. so the Supreme Court has yet to decide on it. According to quick uh, quick Google search, uh, the Supreme Court has yet to decide in America if uh, – well, again, I just went to the first result, so this is entirely possible. I was reading The Onion. Yeah. So I'm, uh, my guess is based on the fact that I don't know and no one's doing anything, I have a pretty good feeling that internet death threats are not really considered to be death threats because – Oh, they're no... definitely not considered to be. But whether like – I don't know if that's laziness in the police or if it's actual legal precedent, that's all. I think it's a it's a mixture of both because yeah. previously really what it should be is a very simple like this is again it's just one of those things where it's so unbelievably simply logical that it should not be a if you threaten to kill someone on the internet the cops show up at your door that's not the way the world should work in the same way that if you yell in an office somewhere I'm going to kill everybody in here the cops should not show up at your door what should happen is is that someone from HR should come talk to you and say hey what are you doing, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if they think that you're a danger to yourself or others, they should refer you to the police <laughs> or they should refer the police to you. Uh, same with Twitter. Is Twitter, if you have users, if you have a blog and you have comments on that blog, part of starting a website is incurring comments on a blog, whether mm-hmm. it's spam or whatever it is. I know this is a hard thing to say because we're talking about people who are, you know, like people who are really, really like on the forefront of, uh, you know, pushing forward social justice. Uh, these people have sites and yeah, maybe they don't want to have to moderate their fucking posts. Yeah. But at the same time, they got to they got to either hire someone or ask a friend to do it because or turn off it, comments or turn off comments. These are all possible things, because if you have something where people can say shit on the Internet, you are now responsible for that because you gave the maniacs a printing press. When you give the maniacs a printing press, you're responsible for that. In the same way that if someone took your gun and started shooting people, you're partially responsible for the shooting. Yeah, the person's a maniac and you have no control over that. It's out of your out of your you know, out of your control. I get that. But at the same time, you were the one who said, Here's this thing, go ahead and use it. Social contract dictates that maybe you should be in some way responsible for that and do that to the best of your ability. Twitter should be hiring people and having a a, a robust staff of people to say okay we're being referred you know fucking 10 million times a day they're they're having these sorts of things of where you know i have to now deal with all this crap uh where these people are saying i'm gonna kill this person and so on and so forth whatever but the thing is is that i know this can fucking happen because fucking video games have been doing it for a while now they have tribunals they have all of these things where if someone's threatening you in a video game or someone's acting like an asshole or they're cheating in a video game there is no harm in deactivating someone's account temporarily and saying fucking 14 people have said that you're threatening this person's life. We're deactivating your account temporarily. We're going to assess the situation. And if you're threatening someone and it's a legitimate, credible threat, like basically if you just keep fucking if you're if you're threatening someone and you're saying it not in a joking manner, basically, and a whole bunch of people believe you're threatening them. And more importantly, the person you're threatening certainly feels fucking threatened. We need to refer you to the authorities now. Yeah, that's what's happening, and just don't fucking do it. Basically, it should not be a whole lot to ask of your users to put that in your terms of service to say, "Hey, guess what? If you threaten people's lives, uh, or if you threaten people, threaten violence on people, or or even something as simple as if you're threatening to dox somebody, yeah. you should get your account terminated." That's some. It's just that simple. Because guess what? You don't have to do those fucking things. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't care sure. who well, you agree we with. We both agree on that 100. percent And this is what I'm saying. Well, this is what I'm saying before about being honest with people. Is I feel like we're getting into this sort of like weird 
weird world where people it's the fucking Twitter rant I had a couple of days ago that people aren't ready to sack up and fucking deal with these sorts of things yeah. because the anti subtweet rant. Yeah. It's fucking retarded. There's no reason for that. There's absolutely no reason for it. You have monsters that you can use. You have a guy like Christian Rudder, who most people would probably believe is a fucking monster for doing the things that he's done on OkCupid. But that guy is a monster on the fucking front lines for the good side. And you're not fucking adequately utilizing someone like that to do the well, good shit. I, I think we both agree that ultimately the best system of government for the world is benevolent dictatorship. <laughs> no, I, well, I don't sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, maybe the person in power shouldn't be the person who wants to be in power. You shouldn't be electing the guy who's campaigning. You should be That would be a good reason to make sure with education. Oh, that there's is no true. fucking way that you'd be like, okay, any random American become, can become the president in the next election cycle. The fucking homeless problem would be eliminated over fucking night yeah. because no one would want the crazy jabbering homeless guy to be president. Uh, anyways, uh, if you want to talk about this, and I don't know why you would, because... Well, we, and honestly, we'll probably forget about the time you talk about this. At least I, at least I will. I will forget about the specifics. I'll forget about the specifics. I, I, okay, yeah, I forget about the specifics, but then I have to edit this, so... Yeah, that's true. You listen to the, everything twice. I listen to everything never. I listen to everything a lot more than twice, yeah, so... That's about all. And I think you can find us on the internet, yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> And you can find me at Joey Heflick, H-E-F-L-I-C-H. And as always with me is... Ryan at Gobo, G-O-B-O. Or or what you can do is you can send it to Goob. I won't get it then. By care of Ryan Kloss. Well, no, no, no. Like back in the day... Just like the the Oaxacan government I won't get. Just like the restaurant in in New York I won't get. Just like whatever. There is some restaurant also in like Malaysia that I won't get. All that stuff. You, you, you You can stop tweeting about that stuff. I always think of it more as, like, back in the day, how they used to send things, like, care of someone. Like, you'd send a package. Yeah, yeah sure. They still have that, like, yeah. the, uh, top care. It's care of, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just something like that. And then maybe it'll get to you. Maybe, maybe. it won't. The, or, or or it'll be like the emails I get for Richard Claus that are right-wing crazy people's talk. <laughs> <laughs> because he's our class M.A. instead of our class and forgets to type that M.A. in occasionally. Uh, that's fun. Yay. And it, oh, if you want to get to us really slowly, you can go to internetboyfriends.net and you can use our contact form, which then prints it out and mails it to me. And then I'll get it within six to eight weeks later. So, for all I know, that's true. I know. <laughs> so, until next time, we love you and we'll talk about something some other time. Yeah. Take care. Yeah.